the essence of the Christian life. Rowan Williams, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, was invited by the Pope Benedict to speak to the Synod on the new evangelization that took place a couple of years ago. And I think he gave the best talk at it, what the ones I've read. Rowan Williams' contribution was really important for us and for the church. He told me that they expected him to be speaking about ecumenism, evangelization and ecumenism. He spoke instead about contemplation. And he spoke about contemplation as the essence of evangelization and the essence of the Christian life, a brilliant piece of contemporary theology. One of the things he says, with our minds made still and ready to receive, with our self-generated fantasies about God and ourselves reduced to silence, we are, at last, at the point where we may begin to grow. We are at last at the point where we may begin to grow, when our minds are made still. Well, I think we have all, to some degree, experienced more stillness, or had glimpses of what a still mind, what it means to be still, and allow that knowledge of God, that is both our knowledge of God and God's knowledge of us, not through thought, not through imagination, not through cognition or reflection, but just to arise as something utterly other than us, but also something that is utterly intimate and one with us. So with our minds made still and ready to receive, because in this stillness, we are in that place where we can be most open to receive what? The gift. And it's the ultimate gift of being. There's no other gift that's worth having, actually, than the gift of being. It's the basis of everything. And it's this gift of being which is God's gift of self, because God is being. Nothing has being except in God and of God, participating in that mystery we call God. So this is what we receive, this perennial gift, this continuous giving. It's not just a gift given once and for all, but it's a gift that is continually flowing like the little stream out there. And then with our self-generated fantasies, well there's no end to those, and those fantasies are about God just as they are about ourselves. And this isn't a bad thing for an Archbishop of Canterbury to say to the assembled bishops of the Synod on the New Evangelization that we have fantasies about God. And unless those fantasies are addressed and identified and dismantled, which is what we do in meditation, we deconstruct all our ideas about God. St. Gregory of Nyssa said, every image of God is an idol. We become worshippers of a false God, 
unless we can let go of our ideas about God. This is the terrible embarrassment and the terrible curse, really, of religion, is that it so easily and quickly ends up in idolatry, worshipping false gods, building the golden calf. Remember the story of the golden calf. The Hebrews were frightened because Moses hadn't come down from the mountain and they were getting a bit restless. So they took off their jewelry and melted it down and made it into this golden calf. So we take what is most precious to us, most valuable to us, and we turn it into this construct of our own imagination and we worship that. You know, then we do what we like because it's our God. So you can have an orgy around it if you like. Or you can condemn everybody else for doing something different or thinking about something different. So if it's your God, then that allows you to justify basically anything you want to do or think. That's how we justify violence in the name of God. So no more important thing for religious people than to reduce to silence our self-generated fantasies about God and ourselves. Unfortunately, they go together. You can't have a fantasy about God without having a false idea about yourself. And if you have a false self-knowledge based on self-rejection, self-hatred, self-mistrust, a feeling of shame or guilt, you know, if you're crippled by this kind of false self-knowledge, Often it is unconsciously a self-destructiveness, a self-hating even. Then our image of God is going to reflect that some mirror image, imaging kind of way. Our knowledge of God and our knowledge of ourselves are of a piece. We cannot know God without knowing ourselves and vice versa. So... He says, and they're self-generated. This is the, the frightening thing, is that to some extent, I suppose, we inherit them, but then we make them our own, and we, we generate them more, we work on them, and they become embedded in our own imagination and fantasies. And in the most extreme form, it leads to wave of terrorism in, in the name of Allah that we're seeing around the world at the moment, which will like all forms of fantasy and violence and hatred, will destroy itself eventually. But in the process, can also destroy a lot of other people and things. So he says, when we come to the stillness of mind, which allows us to be open to a reality that is not generated by our own imagination, and where we have brought our fantasies about God and ourselves into silence, that's what deconstructs them, is when you simply, as it were, cut off their oxygen and then they disappear. Then at last, he says, this is something we long for and something we, we struggle for, at last we are at the point where we may begin to grow. And growth is what it's all about. That's why we are put on this earth, a little space, as William Blake said, put 
on this earth a little space to learn to bear the beams of love. To learn to grow in our humanly divine capacity for love, for divinization. So this is what the work of silence is about. It has, on the one hand, this hard work aspect to it, but nobody can avoid doing that. So we have to take on that work, but then we can see it not as a self-punishment, but as a self-liberation, not as a discipline imposed from outside, but as a discipline that we discover and embrace willingly and happily. The growth aspect of it is where we should be putting our focus as well. What kind of person do we become as a result of this work of silence? And what kind of church would it create? What kind of society could it influence if this work of silence is really being done in enough hearts, in enough lives, in enough communities? What kind of gift could it bring to the world, a gift of being? <clears throat>